Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the National Fire Radio podcast. As 2023 gets going, we're making some changes. And so real quick, before we launch into the daily episode, I just want to hit on a couple things. If you like what you're hearing, we appreciate the support. Please give us a five-star rating on the audio players. It helps promote the podcast and get its popularity up. And I certainly appreciate all the effort that our community brings to the table in supporting us in the mission of National Fire Radio Give us that five-star review, subscribe, like the page, send us your comments. And this is the fun part about what we're doing this year. We created a new email address for you all to send us your thoughts, ideas, and comments or questions or concerns or hate or love or anything else in between. You can email us at podcast at nationalfireradio.com. What that email address will do is it will come as a direct line of source for information regarding the podcast. And so if you have anything that you want to hit us up about the podcast, sponsorship opportunities, ad reads to questions, thoughts, and ideas, we're going to be rolling out a question and answer episode once a week. And it's going to be directly from the emails that are sent in to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. So take advantage of that. Send us your thoughts and ideas and questions, and we'd love to answer them on the air. And lastly, I just got to mention our website, nationalfireradio.com, is where you can get any of the swag that we're putting out. All of the merchandise that we sell goes right back to supporting the podcast and the National Fire Radio brand. We are super excited for 2023. We have a lot coming out, and I can't wait to share it with you all. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Now, the podcast. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew have been manufacturing helmet fronts, aluminum helmet fronts, since 2017. Over 200,000-plus shields have been manufactured by Taylor and his crew. Custom helmet fronts shipped within 24 to 48 hours. Whether it's one piece to a 500-piece department order, they'll get them out under two days. They're doing incredible work, 100% customizable product. Their product is top shelf. Not only are they doing aluminum helmet fronts, they're doing gas cards, playing cards, keychains, medical cards, and charts, pump charts, street signs, custom signs, banquet awards, you name it, they're doing it. Go to taylorstins.com, and if you do order, use this promo code, NFR sent me, all one word, NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off at checkout. That's because we have a strong relationship and friendship with Taylor from Taylor's Tins. They've been a longtime supporter of the National Fire Radio platform, and I appreciate their support and friendship. Without further ado, the daily episode. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. We're back on the podcast today, and today is a little bit different than the usual episodes we've been doing. Today's going to be a powerful conversation. Um, I am completely honored to have Melanie Clark on today. Melanie is the widow of Lieutenant Brad Clark, who was killed on October 11th, 2018, with the Hanover County Virginia Fire and EMS Department. He was killed uh, during a uh, hurricane storm while they were operating on the highway, um, and he was unfortunately killed while protecting his own crew. And Melanie has since taken on his legacy and has been putting out conferences and educating legislators and the public about the importance of highway safety and move over laws. And I'm completely honored today to have Melanie on the podcast with me. Melanie, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you again, Jeremy, for the opportunity. 
Yeah, I, I think it's so powerful. With our platform and opportunity with our community, I think it's important that we bring forth a lot of different types of stories and people that impact and make a difference within the fire service. You know, just this morning, we had a different, I did another episode uh, that will be released on another date, and we talked about firefighting activities, right? Water supply, things like that. Your story today is very different than what we typically talk about, but this is more of where I want to take our platform and podcast this year is educating our community about this so many different avenues within our industry. And one is truly the issue of line of duty deaths and our families and how our families deal with our job, how they deal with us going to the firehouse, whether career or volunteer, those goodbyes, those hellos, the stress that comes with the job and all of that. And I know just through talking with you, how infectious Brad's love for the fire service was. And I think that's where I'd love to start the conversation with you is just for you to give us a little background about Brad and his love for the fire service. Great. Well, Brad was uh, the type of person that you immediately gravitated towards. He would enter a room and have so much energy and joy and conversation, and he never met a stranger. So he kind of pulled you into his circle, and um, he genuinely liked people. He um, had a heart for service. When um, back in 1995, actually not far out of high school, Brad joined the Army. Right. And he served honorably for years in the Army. And then when he got out, he really missed that brotherhood, that connection, Um and so I think he, even though his father, which is kind of funny, was a um, firefighter. Right. And so Brad had that that background, that understanding of the fire service and the realities of it because his dad served and retired as um, a Henrico firefighter. So okay. Brad knew. And it almost was like a light bulb moment for him that went off after he got out of the service and kind of felt like he needed some direction, but he really missed the brotherhood. And and it's almost like a light bulb moment came off for him. He's like, Oh, maybe <laughs> I should be a fireman. Yeah. Like that's kind of a world that he was familiar with. And so he volunteered for a little bit, went through the Academy in 2005 and joined Hanover um, fire ENS department then. And it was, it, it's more for Brad, it was always much more than a job, than a career. It was his passion. Right. It was, he was born to be a firefighter. And I know that can sound a little cliche, but his love for the guys, for citizens, it was infectious. And so for me, as his wife, um, he just pulled me in too. And I couldn't help but love the fire service and we all know as family members you know it's not perfect <laughs> there are some aspects of the job sure. that is very frustrating and so i don't want to sound make it sound as if it was just a life of glamour and ease because that's that wouldn't be um being truthful but he he loved he loved it and it was a, a calling for him so brad kind of pulled us in as far as um, having firehouse dinners, really getting to know the guys that he was um, either assigned to or part of his firehouse. And 
Uh, we did a lot of activities outside the firehouse, which really established those relationships that are the hallmark of how I'm moving forward. So, so um, important, and, right? Like to become for, oh. for Brad to share, cause it really is. We, we wear two different hats, right? Family man, husband, father, and then firefighter. And it's like two families and some people don't merge them. You know, some people right. don't bring them together, but in this case, the fire service was, you know, Brad was a, a representative of the fire service in the very best way, right? That he was so immersed and so, in love with it, that it was his passion. And how does he not share his passion with his family, right? Right. And he had a very good way of making me feel and our family feel a part of it. Yeah. And not that it was a, a part of his life that we couldn't connect with. So he just had a great way of merging those two worlds and, um, making us a part of it. So we didn't feel resentful because for Brad, it wasn't just about, you know, doing his tour or his shift and then coming home. He would educate himself, whether it's read articles or attend training. And so even though he wasn't in the firehouse, a lot of times he was still learning how to better himself. Yeah. So that, that definitely trickled over to some of our family time. But Brad was so positive and so um, joyful and so happy that I wanted to encourage any growth that he could gain. Yeah, for um, sure. Whether it's, you know, a way for a training for a weekend or because it's sharpening his skills and it's only only made him a safer, better firefighter, which meant that, you know, him coming home sure. was a high probability. Yeah, you, you so. mentioned the word resentful and uh, resentment. And, um, you know, I find that's quite often a topic in families and between relationships, husband and wives or husbands and their kids or, or you know, the, the moms that are working as a firefighter, right? There's, there's oftentimes there is some resentment. And I think it speaks volumes to you, though, that you supported his passion because yes, it's a career and it's providing for the family, but it was also his passion, right? It's what fueled his excitement and his, and his abilities to love. Right. And so right. he needs that support, right? Providing that support and you not being resentful, but yet promoting it and telling him to go do make yourself better because it makes us better. Right. Am I, am I accurate with that statement? Yes. Yeah, because 100 percent because I worry about resentment and I worry that, you know, when when tragic situations occur, which which you are still dealing with. But when you dealt with it that day, right, none of us see that coming. And so the resentment, um, we can't let that resentment fester or get in between us and our spouses, because I feel that, you know, God forbid, if something does happen, you know, the, the, it, it muddies the relationship. And I don't think it needs to be that way. Right. I agree. And, okay. I, you know, I think, like you said, the, the love of his career made him a happy man. Yeah. So that spilled over. You know, what I like to tell other guys is him being a great father and a husband, that's number one. And those qualities spilled over to whatever in life he was going to do next. So what his choice was being a firefighter. 
but those the qualities that we loved and his patience and his loyalty and his dedication and his hard work, all of that spilled over. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just the type of guy he was. He didn't, you know, when he was home, he tried to section out time that made it feel like, okay, he was home. Although, you know, sometimes if he was training or working yeah. on something else, I understood that I know. time wasn't always guaranteed. Yeah, I know exactly but where you're going he, with this. Yeah. He he worked hard to provide a balance. Sure. To, and how he did it, I really don't know because a lot of the guys, and I saw it in our marriage, but a lot of the guys after um, Brad was killed came to me and he's like, Mel, he communicated with more people in a day than a typical person does in a month. But I never felt slighted. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I get amazing it. balance of it all. Well, and communication. That. Communication is so important, you know? And it's, you know, communicating with your spouse, communicating with your children, communicating with your crews. When you... When you're an active communicator and you're and you're willing, I was I was doing a little bit of homework before you know we got together today, and um, some of the individual, some of the guys that I knew that knew Brad and and so on, they said that he was just infectious. His smile, his laughter, mm-hmm. his jokes, his uh, his personality, but he was always a very good communicator. And I think that that matters. And I think that we need to do a better job. People need to do a better job communicating, especially with spouses, I feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not saying that Brad came home every day. And usually, you know, when he'd come home, I could look at him and say, oh, man, he must have gotten hammered out last night. Last night was really rough. I'm going to give him a little time to kind of unwind and get his thoughts together. And then some days, you know, Brad would share the particularly rough calls, but we had that relationship. We were, we, he was my best friend. So it wasn't unusual for him to say, you know, we really, we ran a really tough call. I'm struggling a little bit with, you know, we lost a child. Um, He was open and, and I think because he was open, I could under, help try to understand the best that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't there. I didn't run the call with him. But if I understood why he was particularly down on a day, I could, un, you know, be an understanding partner. Sure. Because, oh, yeah, I knew he had a rough night. He ran a tough call. And I can relate to that. I can't understand it, but I can you know, maybe give him a little bit more grace in a day than if he just came home and was in a bad mood and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So he did. He was um, an effective communicator with us. And so we knew what was going on and, and how to, and in turn, how to best support him. Yeah. Yeah. So take me then to my lieutenant didn't come home. Mm. October 11th, 2018. Um, I read a little bit about the story of where a hurricane was approaching, the weather turned, and uh, you guys had communicated and, um, and so on. Could you just give me a little bit of background about the, the situation, the incident, and, um, and I don't know, I guess from where it goes from there? Sure. Um, yeah, so October the 11th um, originally started off as a beautiful day outside, and I was working full-time managing a busy dental practice in Richmond and went off to work and 
but we had discussed prior that the weather was potentially going to be bad. I knew that the county had um, requested additional staffing. I was originally after work was going to go to the firehouse to celebrate. Um, we always had a, a like a family firehouse dinner before one of the guys got transferred and um, Brad called me, I guess it was probably after lunch on the 11th at work. And he said, Mel, I want you to go home. Uh, it's the weather's going to be bad. I'm worried about you driving home. Yeah. I, I need you to leave. And I was like, Brad, we've got a full day of patience. Like we, there are no holes. He's like, no. And he was never an alarmist. He never, he wasn't that type of guy. Right. So I knew when he said this, that it it's serious. So I went to my doctor and I told her and because of her relationship with Brad and she knew the same thing, she, we canceled our patients and we all packed up and um, mm. went home. And, and she uh, actually credits our lives being saved to going home early. Um, instead of going to the ha firehouse to celebrate, obviously I, I went straight home and, um, you know, I was just kind of at home and the weather would, was getting worse as far as the wind and the rain. And, um, we had texted several times and talked several times throughout the day. And, um, he was in good spirits. He knew that it was probably going to be a long night. So they did a pub ed that morning with a preschool. Cause like I said, the day started off beautiful. Yeah. Right. And, um, and then they were going to rest a little bit because they knew they were going to get hammered out like all night long. And so, um, I was in, you know, in bed, just watching TV and I guess it was like around nine o'clock and, um, he called me and we were just talking, just kind of catching up with each other. And, um, you know, the tone went off and that's not un you know, unfamiliar for yeah, sure. fire spouse. Sure. And um, so I quickly got to tell him, you know, that I loved him sure. and to be careful. And I'm just so grateful to have had that. Yeah. Those be our last words and that, you know, we weren't, you know, I wasn't fussing about the laundry or <laughs> just right. stupid. No, I get um, it. I get insignificant it. things. Mm -hmm. And um, thank God I had that that last moment with right. him and um so they they left and i guess it was probably around 9 30 or so i started getting phone calls from my father-in-law you know asking if i'd spoken to brad and i said yeah you know just a little while ago and he said well okay and so he said well call me if you know when you talk to him i'm like right. of course and then his brother called me and that started for me raising the alarm, like sure. what's going on that I don't know about. And, um, after another phone call, I just, you know, yeah. was panicked. Right. And, um, uh, you know, in that moment we, we didn't have local news. We had some kind of really limited cable option on our TV. So I couldn't just click on the local news to see what was going on in our area. So that the next thing I thought to do would be to look, look it up on my phone 
and I checked Facebook as a very quick resource and saw where there were um, prayers offered offered yeah. for Station Six, and then I was, yeah. you know, I knew right. it was um, serious. Yeah, well, so, Brad, Brad being the lieutenant of that company, right? I mean, that's that's uh, right. Yeah, my gosh. So, so yeah. you, I, I can't. Wow. I mean, so much there. So now, how did how did it now you from what I understand you got you you weren't sticking around you had to go and, and no yeah you, you went down to the firehouse to the station yes so I kind of you know had a moment of you know just trying to gather myself sure and um got in my car I think I had my pajamas on and a jacket um and drove to station six and um volunteers that I'd known well but in that moment of complete trauma did not recognize and that's so weird how your brain functions in trauma um so I was kind of wandering around the bay and what I didn't know at the time was that the chief was trying to he was on his way to my house, oh, okay. but I missed him because yeah. I was in in um, transit to the fire station. Right. So it took a little while. I kind of stumbled around in circles, and um, I remember my – because, again, I didn't know what was going on. My father-in-law had – and I don't know – you know, it's, it's weird because some of the things we still – I still don't know a lot of the – pieces to the puzzle right um but he made his way to the to the interstate 295 and was told and so my sister-in-law called me and just said you know she only got two words out and she said mel it's and then i just knew sure and so i um you know they walked me into the lieutenant's office that i'd been you know just previously and had good memories Sure. And uh, the chief joined our our family that started to trickle in and and told us what I kind of in my heart already knew. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, I mean, wow. Um, So with that, though, um, the support of the firehouse, the station, right? I mean, you were supposed to be there earlier that night because it's a family atmosphere there. Right. You know, we we talk a lot in the fire service about, you know, brother and sisterhood. And sometimes it's not actually what we say it is. And and it feels like Station Six, where your husband was, um, was a family atmosphere. They were having a family dinner that night. Right. That you were going to be at. Yes. And it was to promote one of their own. Right. To shine up to shine a light. So for you to be there, was it it was just natural for you to go I would assume down there because that's what you knew. Right. I mean, Oh yes. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just that particular station. It was all the stations Brad was assigned to. We um, became very close. These guys depend, you know, these guys depend on each other uh, for life, for safety. And you, if you're a good and willing person, you really try to invest in those relationships. So even though it was hard for me when transfer list came out and I'm like, Oh man, right. But I really miss this family that we've created, but you just learn 
to make those connections with other people. Sure. And, and, I, um, and I have to think Brad was like ground zero for this, right? I mean, with his no infectious personality and how well respected he was and how much he loved his people and loved his family. I mean, yes. guys like that are the root of why the fire service is so good. And it's what you, 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 you know, kind of precluded to before is that that's what got him to the fire service out of the military was the brotherhood aspect, the camaraderie of it. No doubt. Yeah. So he's, he's the center. I mean, he's got to be ground zero for this, for this passion and love within the company. He, no doubt. And you know, he trained hard. He expected a lot from the guys. They worked hard. He knew that he was only um, efficient as the guys and his crew. And he was only safe as the guys in his crew. So he worked hard with them to build professional skills. And I remember, uh, you know, in particularly hard training days, the guys would relish when I would call him because <laughs> they said he would, you know, just chew them out about their poor behavior and their poor firefighting skills. And I would call him and he would turn around and say, oh, hi, Buttercup. And oh, I melt. love that. So the guys would count on a phone call for me just to break, they're, they're break text, up that. They're uh, texting you on the side. <laughs> Melanie, can you call him, please? Can you call him? We need a break. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's very funny. So he he was very outspoken about his love for our family, yeah. for me, for the girls. Four and daughters, it right? It was not a secret. Yes. Yeah. He was um, the only the only guy in our family, and um, – he, our dog was even a female, so <laughs> he was so outnumbered. It's not fair. Yeah. But he was very outspoken, and I think because of that, even though some of the guys were like, "No, we can't live up to the standard that he's setting," I think because of that, it helped to establish an environment of family, right? Yeah. Because he was so um, in love with his family mm-hmm. that that was kind of contagious too for the guys. They were like, Oh, okay, well we can all come together and bring our wives and, you know, and, and we got as spouses got to bond with the different um, stations. And to this day, I still have very close relationships with those spouses and my guys. I call them my guys cause they, they are, yeah. um, we still have super close relationships I, that is so wonderful to hear because it could go the other way too, you know, right. where, where tragedy strikes and people fall apart and fall away from each other. But I guess the, the foundation was so strong um, that it keeps you locked in and part of this family. And, you know, that's very powerful. And I think that that's such an important topic to talk about with our community and people that are listening to this is that you need to invest in your people. You need to include your families because when, if tragedy does strike, it matters all everything done leading up to that day matters. And, and I think it's important and it's super powerful. And in this situation, you know, to hear you, like when you, when you talk about that and the relationships that you have, there's a different tone in your voice when you when you talk about that. And, and you can hear that it's a sense of comfort for you that you have, you know, this the, the guys, your guys and, and their spouses are still there very much in in remembering Brad, but also supporting and caring and loving for you. It's it's very powerful. No doubt. And, yeah. you know, I think initially and I know some of 
our close guys really struggled uh, with when was the proper time to reach out to me. Yeah. And so a lot of them, and even because the department thought they were doing the best thing was to tell the guys, look, give her her privacy. She needs to mourn with her family and and I honestly, I was the one that sent a text message out to some of the guys the next day. And I'm like, where the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, And it was like, oh, my God, we were told to kind of stand down and give you your. And I understand sure. why that sure. was done. But for me, because of my involvement, it felt very isolating. So after that second day, and, and uh, I want to back up because yeah, please. this is just was crucial is the um, department appointed a liaison for my family, which again, I had known Scott and just had a great affection for him. And so in that most horrible time of your life, when I could bear, I could not even speak and barely dress myself. Like I had someone that stayed with us during the day until I went to bed at night, but that's someone that I already trusted. Yeah. And already had a relationship with. He wasn't a stranger. Mm-hmm. And and the support because of that relationship that that we were able to receive, I think has been the difference between me staying in my house in full grief and not being able to move forward and the difference in doing something to try to protect the guys that that Brad left behind. And um, so that's, I think the support was critical and we received it right away. And I can't imagine a scenario in which we didn't have it. And I think my story would be a lot different if we didn't have that. Yeah. I, that, and, and the, again, the foundation, right? I mean, it's, uh, right. you know, the fact that a day later you were like, Hey guys, where are you? Like, I, I need you yes. now more than ever. And they were trying to be respectful of giving you your space and, and time to grieve, but everybody's a little bit different in their, in their process. And the fact that you had such a deeply rooted relationship with these guys, um, you know, you yes. needed them and I, it's just, wow. Uh, incredible. I know too. And it should be said that that evening um, when it did happen, um, Brad was tragically killed on the highway, but there were also his crew, uh, two of them had, uh, serious injuries, one, um, not so serious and, and so on one, uh, you know, and, and Brad was credited with alerting them and allowing them to at least take some type of defensive position to protect themselves from the oncoming danger. And, and so Brad was credited with protecting his own and, and potentially saving the lives of his crew as well. Um, and, and that is very powerful. And, um, and so it wasn't just, you know, Brad's death was terrible, but it it was something that affected not just the, the, you know, uh, affected many families and, and the department as a whole. And I'm sure, I don't know, you know, how, how common that area was to something, an event like this, which I'm sure it wasn't. So it's very hard to be able to have a, a, a plan in place that is representative of what needs to happen for the family and its members. And, you know, when tragedy right. strikes like this, you know, we're looking at our management, our leaders, our chiefs, our administration people to have a plan in place that we can fall back on. And in a lot of places we don't have something that is really well put together 
to support our own members and the family. And it sounds like Hanover did a nice job with the liaison and the support that they've done for their members and, and for you and, and your family. Yes, they really did. And not only did I have a liaison, but each family that um, was medically involved yeah. um, with the incident had a liaison and they were there 24 hours a day every day until the guys left the hospital. So they were a support for the spouses and the family members and were great for just being a buffer. Um, if you just had a day where you, you just needed to hide, um, they were that security, they were that support. Um, and I will say, you know, the injuries that our guys sustained, um, two of our guys in particular, are very physical, but the injuries that are ongoing as far as a psychological yes. um, trauma, whether it be, you know, being a survivor in the incident and unharmed, our guys have still had to battle through remaining a firefighter and yeah. dealing with and calls on the interstate and still dealing with close calls and they are still working through and we all are working through the trauma from that day and um so survivor's guilt and the psychological trauma the ptsd that comes from stuff like this is very real and um we're all you know in it together and i think that has helped is we we still check on each other we still love each other we're still um, very close because uh, they need the support. They still need the support, and um, that don't, I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah, and I and that's that's what's so incredible about the closeness that you have. I mean, I, this is not the story everywhere you go when tragedy strikes, and I think right. you know to be able to have a uh, relationship with the others that are involved. Um, physically and emotionally, um, it, it makes a difference. And I, I'd like to think that it helps in the healing process when you have people that you can fall back on or lean on when you need to lean. And, um, you know, that, that's what's so important about being emotionally dialed in and emotionally involved with your people and your spouse and your firefighters, because it makes a difference when the time comes. And, um, yeah. Please, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say there's no room for complacency in the fire service. Um, not with your peers, not with your spouse, not with your family, um, because you truly don't know um, when. And, 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 you know, in that moment, like I said, I, I thought a lot about, you know, what if I would have been, you know, petty about him not taking out the trash or or I'd have to live with that for yeah. the rest of my life. Right. And I, again, am so glad in that moment that we were dialed in and that we were, which we typically did, had great time together and we were good friends and all the other good stuff that we were able to say that to each other. And I'm, I've been able to know in my heart that that is something I'll always have and be proud of. So... Yeah, well, it's it's representative of a very strong relationship, and um, I know before we started recording, we were chatting a little bit, and I had mentioned to you that 
I think too often we take for granted that we're coming home at the end of the, the call, mm-hmm. the shift, the, the, you know, your tour, whatever it is, whether you're a volunteer career, you know, volunteer, the pay, the fire pager goes off. It's a home response. You get up from your house and you run out the door. If your career, you're, you're at the firehouse. And when the boops go off, you, you get on the truck and go. And a lot of times, you know, uh, people leave for the firehouse and we say our goodbyes. Um, you know, and it could be, you know, if, if we're both working, it's a quick phone call, a text message, whatever, but the, the value of that needs to be there. And I think what, what you're saying that uh, the, the idea of we can't be complacent, especially as firefighters on the fire ground, but we can't be complacent with our relationships. That is very, very deep and and moving because I think about how often I run out the door, uh, for the volunteer side and I kiss, you know, I'm like, uh, we got to run, I'll be back, you know, and, and you run out the door and it's, you don't, no, you don't know. No. And when we become complacent with that, um, man, regret could be very damaging, I think. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. It, yeah. I, I, it just, it, it is, it, for you to go through this experience, and uh, it's funny, I read something where it said that you were uh, more of a on the quiet side, and and <laughs> and Brad, uh, Brad, you know, brought out in you uh, a, a louder voice, and and then through his through this tragedy, through his death, you've now taken on this persona of a very loud voice, um, and yes. I think it's incredible, and and I I wonder, I wonder how much of that is Brad pushing you. And and the the memories and the stories that you have and and how he was and how passionate he was. It seems that through tragedy you found a way to cope and a way to uh, heal. I, I'm assuming, and I'd love correct me if yes. I'm wrong, but I would think now um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about through tragedy comes what Melanie Clark is doing today. Yes, and you're so right. Um, he is that gentle push on days when I'm exhausted and exasperated and I feel like, oh gosh, you know, (laughs) if I speak to another legislator, I'm going to just explode. Um, he is that gentle push and it's also, it's also about, I feel like in his life, his, you know, 43 years he was with us he did so much and he packed it so full and I know if he was the one that came home that night and it was another guy that didn't make it that he would be doing this this would be his role he wouldn't just sit back and say well let me bring you a a pie and let me just tell you I'm sorry right and you know he would be involved in trying to bring awareness to how can we better protect ourselves how can we educate the public to better you know drive and to think about um, our police officers and our firefighters and our construction road workers and our tow truck drivers like we need to make that a personal story to them so that they understand that this could be their uncle their father their mother working and that we need to provide them the space that they need to work so that they can come home. Because at the end of the day, that's exactly what he expected to do. That's expect 
that's exactly what we expected of him was to come home. And so I feel like Brad and his life and his legacy that he leaves behind, he started it, right? <laughs> and I'm just taking that baton in a way and I really feel like I'm doing what he would want me to do. Sure. And so, and and also in that, with that, it protects the guys that are still on our busy highways and working because I, you know, I I don't want to go through, and I know I will, but I, I rue the day that I have to sit through a firefighter funeral. I just don't know if I can handle it. Yeah. And so I doing all that I can um, from this to, to, to raise awareness so that another family doesn't have to go through the devastation and the, the pain that we have. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're an advocate for firefighter safety, move over laws. Yes. You're camping out. Yes. You're camping out in Richmond at the, at the <laughs> state legislative house. Right. And, and you are yes. letting everybody know how important it is that we protect our first responders on highways. Yes. It, so it, yeah, that, please. Yeah. That campaign started. Um, and, you know, looking back, it was, you know, because of that support system that I had propelled me to keep going forward. I, I tell you, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, they, those firefighters took turns staying at our house, sleeping on the couch until I had an alarm system, till I had a way, because Brad was my security yeah. in life. He sure. was, I lost my identity that day, that, that night that he died. I, I, feel like the rug was completely torn and I I had to figure out a lot of moving parts and pieces and these guys helped me to think through wow. a lot of the next steps. So with that support um, and the assistance of a very supportive delegate, we were able to campaign and lobby and um, get some really positive changes in the move over law. And that was done in 2019. The law was passed in July of 2019. And what it does is just increase the penalties and fines um, with the amendment. So our previous law was basically a traffic ticket. If you fail to move over or slow down for a um, emergency, red, yellow, or blue lights. But now it, it's a potential of a year in jail, reckless driving offense, and a $2,500 fine um, if the charges are are brought forward and the judge um, charges the motorist with that. So, right. and a big part of that was just making people aware of the law in general. Sure. Um, I think the average public was clueless about it. They didn't know what to do when you see red, blue, or um, amber lights. They There's been a lot of confusion, but with this incident, I think it helped make that a little bit, you know, a bit more clear. And in conjunction with the amendment to the law, we were able to pass a um, memorial license plate. It's um, through our Virginia DMV website. You can order a move over plate, which has Brad's um, portrait on one side, wow. the firefighter flag in the back, and then a reminder to move over underneath. Um, a portion of the proceeds from the plate go to the Andy Fredericks Family Fund, which mm -hmm. Brad was particularly worked close with the Andy Fredericks 
um, foundation, right. attended their training, and actually got the opportunity to speak. Which yeah, he, he presented. He yes. won a million dollars. Yeah, that for him was like the end all, be all. Yeah. Moments. Well, and because I'll never forget because his passion was infectious. I mean, I just I exactly the, you know it's funny because uh, on the computer in front of me, I just have some information and so on, and and there's a picture of him and. It's the picture of him, like, looking over his shoulder with his red helmet on, and he's got this, sm- yes. like, smirk on his face. You know what I mean? And, like, yes. when you look at a picture like that, it you it speaks volumes, right? I mean, it's you can yes. tell that he was the a guy that lit up the room, you know? And, and so, and, and because of that, I mean, in legacy, right? I mean, how important is legacy? How important is working... You know, you said you 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 said something very interesting to me. You said you lost your identity that night, and and if we play this back, you'll hear me actually go wow. I said wow, and I I, I started thinking about my own life and my and my wife Terry, and I know how we are. We are incredibly close, and we do. I mean, we yeah. grocery shop together. You know what I mean? Because we enjoy mm-hmm. our time together when we can do that, and and so we're very close, and. A lot of our life revolves around me and my doings, right? And, and a lot of that is the fire service, National Fire Radio. And she is an incredibly patient woman, and she's become a staple in it with me, just like you were with Brad. Yes. And so there's a lot of parallels yes. here, and it's very powerful for me to sit here and listen to this. And when you said you lost your identity that night, I would feel that my wife would feel very much the same way. And that scares yes. the hell out of me. Yes, yeah, you, you know, you wake up that morning and you're married, you have your day planned out, yeah. your night figured out that next evening or that next morning from his, we were going to leave, he was going to leave basically right from the firehouse and we were going to attend Olivia's um, parent weekend at Liberty College. Mm. Yeah. And so we had everything, hotel lined up, our vacations planned. And then in a matter of seconds, your life is forever altered. And um, yeah, it definitely left me feeling, well, where do I belong? What do I do? And um, I know this sounds crazy, but I remember one of our our close guys, I didn't eat. I wasn't sleeping and um, had had to work through that with my doctor and, and, you know, obviously handling things a little bit better now, but um, I remember the guys got to the point where, especially early on when it came to food or really pretty much a lot of decisions, they had to give me multiple choice questions. Like if they asked me something open-ended, like, oh, what can we get you for dinner? I would just like sit there. Cause yeah, to me, right. nothing tasted good. Right. I didn't care if I right. ate, it didn't matter. So they had to really adapt <laughs> multiple to what choice. I needed. Yeah. Yeah, they were oh like, okay, gosh. well, Wendy's, Arby's, or, you right, know, right. Italian. Yep. And then I was like, well, maybe, and I, I was able to communicate a little bit better because I was in trauma brain. Yeah. And I just, it, it's amazing how that, all that process works. And, you know, with years of counseling and, and unpacking some of that and what trauma does, it all makes sense now, sure. but at the time you feel like you're, you know, going through Alzheimer's or amnesia or you just, you're just barely getting by. Yeah. So, um, the support is, is really crucial. 
Yeah, and I, I think what you're doing, too, by getting out, and I, I, I hope to be able to find a time when I can sit in on, on your conference. And um, I know that when you've presented at FDIC, I know there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And, in fact, people said that it was, like, probably the most moving seminar or, or a conference that they've sat through because you're very open, honest, and candid. And I, I think that, you know, um, for you to make yourself, even today, you know, telling your story and making yourself vulnerable and reliving it with us, um, it's not easy for me to ask that of you. But I know that I think that's maybe part of what's helping you heal. I don't know. But I know that making an impact matters to you because it mattered to Brad and what you're in. And, and that's the legacy, right? It's like paying it forward. Yes. And, and so for, yes. for you, I think this message today will hopefully, whether it's a, a, a couple realizing that complacency in their, in their goodbyes in the morning or uh, the conversation of reality of God forbid, if something happens, you know, having things squared away, I know that was something that was very important in, in understanding the story that Brad really had a lot of, the details wrapped up for you um, in regards yes. to if anything ever happened um, and so on. Yes. And so, you know, I think that's where it's very powerful that you share your story and how important that is for us as a community to hear from people like you that have gone through these struggles because it, it is going to happen again. It will happen. Right. And, and so it's, if we can talk about it and we can educate and let our people know that there's ways to cope and there's people and processes and organizations out there that helps. How important is that for you to get that message out there? It's, it's crucial. Um, you know, it's, it's about education and I travel to a lot of different places, not just firefighters do I speak to, but everywhere I go, my message may be a little different. Um, but, it's so important. And if I'm speaking to firefighters specifically, you know, it is important. If you love your family, wouldn't the natural thing to do is to protect them. And what does that look like? And, you know, for Brad, I'll never forget. I was going to a station and having dinner and he asked me to come in the Lieutenant's office. And he's like, Mel, I've got a, you know, a letter that I wrote. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And he said, you know, I only want you to read it if something happens to me. And I just like try to shut down that conversation. And I was like, no, I don't want to talk about this. Like we're getting ready to have dinner. Like what's going on here? And he, even though when it came to me, was a little bit like butter. He was very firm. And he said, you know, we're not going to, I don't want you to ever have to read it unless you absolutely have to. And we're not going to, I don't want you to read it unless you have to, but it's here. And if something happens to me, I I want you to know that it's here. So of course I didn't read it that night and our lives went on and, um, and I was handed, it was weird because obviously, you know, your mind is in a fog when all this is happening. And right before I was leaving the fire station on the 11th or might've actually been the 12th, uh, just because I was there all night. Um, into the next day or whatever. Um, I remembered telling the somebody, um, I don't think it was a chief cause he had left to go visit the families of our guys that were injured. But I, I told someone on the way out, I'm like, you got to find the letter. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what letter? And I, at the time couldn't remember what station it was at. 
but I just said, you got to check every computer that he's ever worked on or been at every firehouse and get it. And, and they did. And I was able to read that. I think it was like two days before the funeral, but or did, maybe a, b- a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. What did that letter do for you? Because I don't, um, I don't it, think many people have the foresight to write right. a letter to their spouse. God forbid something happens. I, I just yes. and so what did was was that important to you and and what did that do for you? It was huge. I mean, um, it was his goodbye to our family to his mom to his dad to the girls to me to his his um siblings it was unbelievably um impactful like i i can't even describe how important that was for me um and you know little did he could he ever anticipated he asked, so there were two letters, one that I've not shared and right. don't plan on sharing, sure. but that was sure. kind of describing the format of his memorial service mm-hmm. and who he wanted to be as pallbearers and some of the details that, and thank goodness for that, because I was able to fulfill his wishes. Yes. And one of his requests were that this, the second letter be read. But I can tell you, Brad had no idea that um, how many people would attend that service and that it would be yeah. broadcast over our local mm-hmm. news station. So there was a, definitely a lot of Brad's personality in those letters, which right. I found very humorous. Sure. But I'm sure other people were like, wow. Yeah. No, <laughs> I know, understand. Sure. It's such sure. a humor. And uh, as a firefighter, I think that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh, hiring processes you have to have some sort of sense of humor so yeah um, are those just cherished treasures for you i mean it, it, it oh no doubt yeah no doubt yeah and you know everywhere i go the guys get to hear that so his brother who is pretty much his twin okay uh, they look alike their mannerisms are alike it's they're they're so alike it's just crazy um i asked that he read that because it was the closest person that i could get um to you know for brad to read the letter sure and so part of that message when i speak is that letter wow and if that doesn't get you then nothing on this <laughs> nothing will i mean i don't need I, yeah, I can't even imagine. Uh, I'm sitting here just thinking about it emotionally, thinking, wow, I mean, how, how powerful um, that must have been. But I, I think I asked the question because I want to impress upon people about how much of a difference that made for you. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, it needs to be talked about more and maybe we need to do a better job or at least pass forth the idea of maybe penning a letter like that, that God forbid if it ever needs to come to it, it's something that, I don't know, gives some thought, direction, show of love, oh, support, yeah. um, and, and every other word that you could possibly throw at it. Um, that's really, really heavy, for sure. Yes. 
So yes, and I, you know, I don't know where that really came from. I don't know if it's because he was reflecting on his military service. Yeah, maybe that was something. But he had been out of the military for so long at that point. I think Brad had an overwhelming want to make sure we were protected, and um. You know, he felt the breezes of the cars going 80 miles per hour. And we had talked about that yeah. um, before he passed, that those near misses that they had on the interstate or the the busy roadways. And so we had that conversation. So I'm not sure what propelled, what exactly propelled sure. him to do that. But yes, it was definitely has aided in, in all of our healing and i say healing because we'll never be healed when life will never be the same but i think the best way to remember brad is that his spirit lives on within within us and when we 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 get the opportunity to share him with the world and his story has changed so many things not only the policies and certain fire departments but it changes marriages it changes the guy, some guys' relationships with their wives and their children. I had, I have so many guys that come up to me after I share our story. And one even was at a conference and he had the opportunity and was planning on staying a day or later just to hang out with the guys and, you know, just take in the opportunity. But after my presentation, he booked a flight to go home. Yeah. He's like, I've got stuff to do. I've got to get my my financial stuff straight. I've got to protect my family. And so that's the impact that Brad's story has on the fire service now, even today. That is so powerful. I mean, that just making a difference every single day. And you're the advocate of it. Brad instilled that in you. And you are now the the aggressive, outgoing, light up the room, carry the conversation and I, I think that's so important. And and just, you know, sitting here today and, and, and hearing your story and you sharing that with me and our community just means the world, literally the world. I, I Melanie, thank you for this. I mean, it was just a, a great conversation, a tribute to uh, an incredible guy that left, it, it has left and is leaving a daily impression on the American Fire Service. Um, and Melanie, for you and... You know, your your love of him and what he stood for and the marriage you had and all of it, um, it just speaks volumes to you being here today and sharing that story and paying it forward. And um, just very powerful and, and moving. And um, I just, I can't thank you enough for sharing that with us today, truly. Well, it, again, it's the passion he instilled in our family and in me. And I am humbled and by all the opportunities I've had to share his story and, and to hopefully impact change definitely in our state, but hopefully the ripple effects have been felt well beyond our state to just, you know, make motorists remember that our guys are out there because they're responding to an emergency for someone else. And the right thing to do is to move over, give them a lane, give them space. And uh, cause that's their office out on the roadways or wherever an emergency happens they don't have shelter they're out they're exposed and they're there because we need them there so um yeah i'm humbled by the opportunity for sure and i I just it's such a strong message and um so much can be taken from this hour-long conversation today so 
Thank you so much. If people want to reach out, if they want to reach out and communicate with you, um, maybe see where you're presenting or, or have the opportunity to present somewhere, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they find out more information from you? Yes, good question. I am working on a website, but that's under construction still. But right now you can find um, a lot of educational information, what I'm doing going forward on my move over VA Facebook page and I also have an Instagram and it, it definitely has Brad's story on there why I'm doing what I do, what I'm doing and some of the opportunities that I have to speak and um, one of the latest things which is really cool is I was able to speak to a driver's ed um, high program in a high school wow and I think that's super important if we can get these young impressionable drivers while they're young and before they develop horrible driving habits that that'll be helpful too but yeah a lot of pictures a lot of information are on the move over va facebook page move over va on facebook uh we'll certainly put the link in the narrative on the podcast uh so people can get there um if to our listeners if you haven't heard melanie speak um from what i know it is a very powerful conversation um this past hour has been very moving and powerful as well um and just uh pushing forward the legacy of brad and his mission to better the fire service and that's now being done through melanie melanie thank you so much today for joining me on the podcast it just meant the world thank you oh thank you for the opportunity cool hang out right where you are i'm just gonna sign off and then i'll come right back okay okay Everybody, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio podcast. Melanie Clark, a very powerful and moving conversation today about the line of duty death of her husband, Brad, and her mission today of paying it forward and bettering and protecting ourselves through the move over laws and protecting our own. And uh, just an incredible conversation from a very strong woman who has something to do and focus on and move forward by protecting us. And uh, what a great conversation. And with conversation comes the necessity to bring it back to your firehouse and talk about it because as we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.